Welcome. I'm the Falcon of the West. And I'm the Prince of Precision. And we are the the Attack Attack Action Action Podcast. Podcast. And welcome to the podcast. What's up, Isaac? Oh, it's been a minute. That it has. Yeah, we uh, missed our uh, second... We missed our second episode in September, but we did launch a YouTube sister podcast and uh, some more content on there. So we have been hard at work, and uh, it's good to be back to the the regular pod. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I think we needed just a little bit of a break, like the grind into Vegas, and then you know, for me personally, getting back podcasting after that, starting the YouTube stuff, and then like trying to get back into a rhythm with work. And that sort of thing, um, you know, just totally. needed just needed a moment. That's all. And road to Nat season was right behind Vegas, so yeah, totally. It's been a pretty busy last couple months. Yep. Um, spoilers: we we won't be going to uh, nationals, but congratulations to you, Isaac, for qualifying in XP. That's great. Thanks. I actually still have time to think about it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I thought it was impossible that I would squeak in there, but I guess I did on XP. So technically, um, you know, I am invited and not going, but totally fine. Kind of surprising. <laughs> it's pretty sick when you think about you only played Azalea and Leviya, you know? Yeah, totally. That's like awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I only, I played in three Road to Nats and like got 10th in one and top eight at another and then went four and three at the calling you know i like did not do spectacularly anywhere so um i was pretty surprised but still it's awesome yeah good email to get yeah and we're uh looking forward to next year to qualify and win it all and get matching flesh and blood tattoos because we both won (laughs) (laughs) you know if we're totally dream um, as we fly in our fighter jets <laughs> or something, you know, as long as you're dreaming. <laughs> yeah, t- totally. Uh, well, if this is your first episode with us, thank you. Um, go back, listen to other episodes, check out the YouTube, etc. I don't know why I say that. Just you, you'll catch up, listen to old episodes, you'll get it. Yeah, no, we get new listeners all the time, so yeah. it's probably pretty pertinent. And we do have some episodes that are could be kind of standalone like we talk about deck building in one or you know different yeah some are kind of meta intensive so might be a little outdated but some are uh, just kind of general yeah check check the catalog the library yeah the, the list the collection yeah there you go Ooh, collection so at the top of the show let's uh, do a couple shout outs i would like to give big ups to our local scene which is uh starting to pop off a little bit uh, last week we had a little sealed tournament, uh, armory event, first one, first armory. Uh, I won, which was cool. Um, but it's a, just a really nice group of people and I really appreciate having a local scene. So shout out to Hidden Oasis in McKinleyville, California. Um, Jacob's doing a great job there trying to support the game and get a real scene going. And after we get done with this pod... We're going to go play in a draft. So, yeah, definitely. very exciting. 
it helps that Jacob likes the game so much. So when the store owner is psyched, yeah, know, yeah, it's pretty motivating. And to... he's a Ranger fan too, so he's you guys are best friends already. Cool. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, we do have a skirmish scheduled at our store. So any kind of uh, Bay Area, Northern California listeners, uh, shout out to you, uh, whoever's listening. Let's see. Patrick, yep, hopefully you're listening. Uh, Brooks, hopefully you're also listening. And uh, we'd love to have any of you uh, folks that we've met at Road to Nats up for our uh, skirmish on November 13th. I know that conflicts maybe with one in Sacramento. Um, we got plenty of stores in your area. <laughs> <laughs> Come up and hang out with us, you know. Anyway uh that's on november 13th tales cool. of aria draft that's what all I got. right any shout outs for you nope i think we're moving straight into the news so we have some pretty interesting um news as far as just the elo ratings um that have been released uh which i guess the the hot topic to discuss is the fact that they are divided into categories yeah so right? you, yeah you get a separate elo rating for uh limited play and for whatever it's called constructed Construct- and, yeah and for blitz no i think it just says constructed yeah but so this means that you could uh you know qualify for professional level events and have an elo rating just based on being a killer draft player or a killer constructed player you don't you don't have to like if constructed is your thing you don't have to like perform at a professional level in sealed just to maintain right yeah um two things about that one if you don't know what elo rating is it is um based off of this mathematician invented kind of like uh a system to rate and predict uh can't remember if it's specifically for chess at the time, um, but it was a predictive model to give players a rating. And then um, based on other players, ELO rating, you could then predict the outcome of the match. So that's kind of what um, chess still uses and other professional level games do. And that's what um, flesh and blood does. So if you beat someone with a higher ELO rating, your ELO goes up Um and if you lose, your ELO goes down. And then so, like, it predicts that a player with a higher ELO rating should win this percentage of time against uh, someone with another specific rating. Right. And this is only uh, used at, like, professional-level events. So yeah. only the calling, pro quests, you know, several mm-hmm. others. But road to national skirmish armories do not factor into right. your ELO rating. Right. Sorry, a little bit into the weeds there. I just think that kind of stuff is interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Then my second point is I really like the emphasis of that limited is it separate ELO rating and that you could be a baller limited player. I think that sets a precedent for the game, the format. And like if... I were on a solo journey by myself or something like that and lived in more of an urban area and had tighter funds, I would like hunt out all of the limited play 
and try to practice and then be like, this is like a cool spot for me to, uh, kind of make my mark in, if that makes sense, you know, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Cause it seems like constructed is always going to be the more popular thing because deck building is so fun and, um, you get, you know, the, the hero aspect of flesh and blood where you get a, um, you know, class or hero loyalty, right. That you would like want to play that hero more often. Whereas in limited play, you're, you're not necessarily doing that. So. Yeah. And just the joy of knowing your deck, you know, and playing it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just think it's really cool specifically because, you know, some events like nationals are mixed, limited and constructed, but there's a lot of events that are only, um, you know, one or the other. Right. So it's like it it would make sense that you could be a you know a cons- or a limited expert and qualify for a limited professional level event with you know only that. Yeah, and they're like kind of separate skill sets, right? That you can um innately have a better ability for and that sort of thing. Um like I think Mitch in our play group, shout out to Mitch, is just like consistently better than us at limited just because his brain works better in that format for some reason like the construction and the play and you know that sort of thing so yeah Yeah, definitely i think his only loss was last time and he got second you know (laughs) in what are you specifically referencing oh our battle bros oh he got second at the pro quest why haven't we talked about that got it Got it, got it. Yeah. No, our important tournament over here. <laughs> On release weekend. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just think that's really great for the game and, like, super, super interesting. Um, it's just really cool and unique, it feels like. All right, and we have uh, Skirmish Season 3 has been announced. So you want to walk Ooh. us through that? Yeah, it's just draft mostly and some blitz, I think. But... And November through December? Uh, Yeah, something like that, I think, right? Yeah, it's like November 13th through December something. So it's like kind of short. Um, And I think maybe just like looking at the calendar of events and stuff, we're only going to make the one local one, but super thankful that we have that. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting. That's it. It's just cool that the skirmish season is draft, I guess, right? that the majority of them are draft over blitz or something like that. Agreed. Yeah. Well, some people really love blitz, but I definitely prefer draft. So it's good news for me. Totally. Yeah. We don't need to get into the weeds of our feelings about draft. That's not what we're here for. Um, I have a little bit of a plug here before we get into our main topic. Let's hear it. Okay. So please send in questions uh, for our listener mail segment, which would come in boom right here. So you can email us at the Attack Action Podcast or leave a comment on the uh, YouTube video. We'll also pull from there. And um, so, yeah, start uh, sending us your questions, whatever whatever you want to talk about. We'll start answering them. And then um, also our sponsor, Fab Foundry, uh, we got to meet on it at the calling briefly and uh, he was a wonderful gentleman and he runs a great service over in Oregon 
Discs and Dice is, uh, I think, his brick-and-mortar shop. So if you need any singles, um, just please go to uh, Fab Foundry. You just click the affiliate link in the show notes, and uh, it takes like two seconds, and that really helps us out. Yeah, and congratulations on the new brick-and-mortar store. It's very exciting. Hell yeah. You know, uh, we started out like a year ago, and on it was just running his online, you know, Fab was very small, singles store, and now it's just like blowing up. Great yeah. job, man. Yeah, totally. It's a it's a beautiful story, and uh, he's a very good person. Um, and then our last little plug is that, yes, we have a more active YouTube page. Um, we have some gameplay and uh, sealed deck building either up or coming up by the whenever this podcast comes out. And um, we have the kind of sister pod that Isaac mentioned earlier, the reaction step, and that is a YouTube exclusive. So go check that out. Yeah. So basically, we're going to be producing just different types of content on our YouTube channel steadily or trying to. And the reaction step will most likely be one episode a month, coupled with this podcast. It's two episodes a month for a total of three Um you get to see our faces on the reaction step and us that's a big deal sassing each other yeah. so uh <laughs> yeah it's um maybe have maybe we'll have a little bit different topic or um whatever but it's it's definitely a full full-on podcast um you know that we're going to be putting out so if you like our content check that out also it's just like another episode pretty much hell yeah with colin <laughs> yeah shout out to colin the producer the people's champ, the puppy papa. <laughs> I don't know. He just had a lot of dogs at one point. He had like six puppies. Anyway, that's a story for another time. Let's get into our main topic. So on today's show, we are going to talk about kind of our updated thoughts about the Tales of Aria limited format. And then we're going to just go down the rabbit hole, talk about the classic constructed meta our thoughts, our predictions about that. Um, yeah. So let's get into it, Isaac. So tell me how you feel about Tales of Aria Limited now. Um, so just to preface, I was not a fan of limited play in games up until Monarch and Tales of Aria. So uh, now I'm a huge fan of limited, specifically because of those two sets in this specific game. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be on board more. It's it's very interesting. I find the play very fun. Um, so I guess what stands out to me the most about Tales and what I've learned so far is that I've kind of had to re uh, readjust the priorities in my brain, especially as far as drafting. Um, it just doesn't follow the typical mm. structure of stay open, draft strong generics, read a signal, and then commit. You know, it like very much does not follow that formula. And I still don't know exactly what the perfect end game is to be the best Tales drafter. But it, uh, I guess it's it's just like a lot less linear than that pattern. Which is kind of the only... That seems to have been the best way to play all other games. 
you know, limited wise, right? Including like Monarch to some degree, even though that had a talent system. Mm-hmm. So what what's your uh, updated impression here? Well, I have found the Tales Limited very challenging. Um, I just haven't really like been able to, uh, I guess, correctly identify the game patterns to, I guess, win more. You know, like I felt really comfortable playing Monarch Limited, like draft or sealed. Um, it just made a lot of sense, I guess, those four heroes to me. But in Tales, it has been kind of a bit harder to really kind of figure out the archetypes or how certain heroes play into other heroes and that sort of thing. And, you know, it just had felt for a while like, I mean, it still is. It's very, very tempo based, right? Like you get the momentum and you can just then like win the game right once you like really seize control and that was like pretty frustrating for me trying to figure out how to jockey for for that um but now recently in the last couple of weeks i've been doing like a weekly draft um with uh some high level players some real cream of the crop uh people so um that has been really interesting. Just kind of like the consistent archetype winner is, I don't know. Inter- anyway, it has just opened up my eyes a lot more. And now I feel like I understand things a lot better. If that makes sense. I know that's like a little bit vague. <laughs> that's very nondescript. <laughs> but I, I get what you mean because it's it's like even, and we talked about this a little bit before, but it's like even in Monarch, which was very interesting and complex, You there's kind of like an optimal way to run each hero, it feels like, if you can get away with it. Right. Um, of course, there's different speeds and different archetypes and stuff, but it just, it felt a little more linear, right? Like there's the best cards, there's generics, there's terrible generics, you know, there's... <laughs> Okay, class cards, there's ones that are good as blues, you know, but it's all very, like, specific in that sense. Whereas right now, like, if you're drafting or even building your sealed pool, right, if you're, like, looking at Briar, right, you need to choose whether you're prioritizing powerful Briar cards, powerful non-attacks first, uh, or powerful lightning cards or earth cards, right, or... um, you know, are those cards that you're going to need to arsenal or are they playable after you use them to fuse? You know, and there's so many little interactions and combos that are, I guess, not linear, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like the archetype for each hero is not just like try to get the best class cards and the generics that support them, right? It's like you could just have... uh what does brendan say dog water you could just have dog water uh like class cards and really good essence cards and then that's like a certain archetype all on its own right um or vice versa in some heroes like you really could just run oldheim with um it's class cards only 
basically, if you can get like enough of the red ones and just win kind of in a fatigue style with like really good um, exchanges, you know? Um, so that I think has been the biggest breakthrough is that like, I don't have to have this like kind of perfect uh, or near, you know, this really nice ratio of both essences to make like a good deck. I can pigeonhole my strategy a bit more because of the tempo nature of the, the format. That makes sense. So like the more consistent I can make my deck into whatever strategy it's doing, the better, which seems like, yeah, no, no shit, dude. But it's like way different when you're like, I got to have cards to fuse and do stuff and, you know, defend, etc. Um, yeah, I think it's so it's really difficult in Tales because it's hard to uh, read and decide what you're going to do up front. Right. So like um, we had a we had a video go up where um, or it's about to go up, I guess. Yeah. That I, I, you know, I'm on Oldheim and it's, it's kind of a value deck, right? Like I have, uh, you know, I can, I have different things that I do, but you know, it's just a little bit more classic, right? Powerful attack, move forward. And then you, you have the other way where it's like, you know, Troy the other day in sealed, you know, he had a 20 damage turn two against me with Briar mm-hmm. with a really really fantastic combo great job troy (laughs) but um you know just the uh which is like pretty crazy for a sealed game yeah you know um so i think it just runs the you know the gamut of archetypes and they're when you're i guess when you're looking at your sealed pool or you're trying to read cards passed to you and like pick cards and draft it's just like you know, to me, the the lines are not, it's not like, oh, there's this strong line for me to go down and the others are, you know, weaker and this is the obvious choice. Right. It's like you're very much crafting and creating and uh, making critical decisions kind of the whole time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it's, it feels, it just feels a lot more skill-based, you know, and um, uh, not very obvious or apparent. Yeah, and I think that's there's like part of that has to do with the fluctuation in the amount of equipment there is and the power level of the equipment right like um the like deep blue super super powerful right cracker jacks like really good mark of lightning super good um like honing hood okay you know like not as good as the suede hides for sure, you know. Yeah, I think honing hood's pretty good because it just gives you. At least I've found playing. I mean, yeah, not as good as suede hides, right? Yeah. But it just gives you that turn where you flip up an ice card, give them a frostbite, and then you put that in your hand, put an arrow with go again down. You right. Know, fuse with that. Totally. It just it makes for a very. It's kind of like all a deep blue, you know. It just like optimizes that turn. Right. Where you were not optimal. Right. So that's a very specific circumstance. No, yeah, it totally is. I mean, but like ragamuffin, right? Like No, terrible. Yeah. I I just fish for a blue (laughs) with old time to try to not use my deep blue first, you know, (laughs) to swing the hammer. That's pretty good. (laughs) Um and then like runaways, like, 
you know, like some of the equipment I will pick pack one, right? Pick one, pack one. But then others I will like be, well, we'll just wait and see what like if it wheels back around or something like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, in the best case scenario, runaway is block like two damage. But they're right. just dead against old time, you know. Yeah. It's just like not. Yeah. And if you're like, I guess, winning, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so that's part of it, right? Is that like you can't really lean into your equipment and there just might not be that much. Um, and another like interesting thing is that like in a draft scenario, you can kind of spend like your first, I don't know, four to six picks just picking the best card each you know each pack in round one you know you like don't have to it like doesn't really um matter as much like you won't get punished too hard for just like picking the best card right and kind of like you know seeing what happens trying to read some signals and that stuff and like maybe deny opponents that sort of thing so there's like definitely a bit more kind of jockeying that can be done in the like early stages of the draft you know yeah i certainly try to uh not go too far down that path right and if you're picking the best like lightning cards or whatever that's much better than um the best class cards um because you certainly you do have room to pick some cards that you're not going to use but there is the tail end of every draft where you're handed cards you can't use so I think I'm just afraid of cracked baubles. So I don't walk that line too much, right? Like if I'm past or, or see a, you know, a, a Volt Haven or whatever, I'll probably grab it. But then I'm I'm probably not grabbing like five class cards out of the first six passes. Right. You know? But I mean, the just the variety of like the best card in those first four picks can be, you know, any number of things you know yeah definitely and you, and you don't get too punished for um like i felt like in other formats like if you kind of didn't stay open for those first four picks you were like for sure getting cracked bobbles you know which is just not the thing now you know or yeah, like it, less less of a deal it's just know? so interesting because it's like there's only three classes right so there's kind of enough class cards probably yeah and I don't know. I just find the decision points fascinating on that, you know, each talent works with two different heroes, but you can't draft all three, right? <laughs> but so as soon as you, maybe you grab a good lightning, then you grab a good ice, but then a good earth comes around, which you can grab, but it's like you can't keep grabbing them all. Yeah. Eventually you're going to specialize into two heroes. Well, and or then, one, you know. Yeah. And then you can kind of flip that, right? And say like, okay... I'm getting signals that the majority of the drafters are prioritizing element cards, which kind of seems like the right way to do it to stay open. So then you can kind of like pick the best class cards you want and then assume that like kind of later in pack two and especially pack three, you should get basically any element or essence card that you need because everybody's like, looking for class cards now at the end of the draft you know oh yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah because yeah if i so if i have two great earth cards and one great lightning card right and then like a just a killer oldheim card comes around 
you know, I'm, I'll probably grab it. Yeah. You know? Uh, and of course, again, you can't do that too much, but it's just like, you have a little bit of flexibility. I also find that, you know, I guess it's probably just the three character f- format, but it seems like you have, you have a little bit more extra cards mm-hmm. or a little bit more wiggle room in both sealed and draft, which I very much appreciate. I, I like when the card pool is so limited that each decision is really critical and matters a lot. But I, I've found in some games in the past that I, you know, it's like six cards in your deck are absolute garbage, but they're the only ones you can play, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or or you're going to get cracked baubles or whatever. So I do appreciate just like a hair of wiggle room here that you can actually like, you know, if I'm playing old time at the end of the day, I can like cut you know, three guardian cards or whatever. Yeah. yeah totally. Which which just makes the deck building a little more interesting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it so that you can actually maybe pivot to a hero out of like, you know, one you were previously in or something like that too. You know, there's, I don't know the better I, the more drafting I do and the better I get at the format, it's just like, I'm just at this point where I'm starting to like see some more things, but can't quite articulate them perfectly. You know what I mean? Um, But that's very cool. Like the other day when we did sealed, I like had a really tough decision between going Oldheim or Briar because I just had like 19 points of arcane damage in Briar and like pretty good red attacks. Um, But in Oldheim, I just had like, also really good red attacks and a lot of just attacks period or just cards that blocked for three so i could just really play kind of like a longer oldheim game um and that's what i ultimately did uh which seemed pretty correct i think at the time um just having like pretty good exchanges and that sort of thing um but yeah it's just interesting before that i would be like because i didn't have any really good element or essence cards right i just like didn't have good earth lightning or ice cards like not at all so all i had to do was like lean in on my class cards or whatever um so beforehand i i think uh would have thought like this is a garbage pool i have no idea how i'm gonna win everything is bad or something you know but there just seemed to be a lot more options um this time around than there had been previously so yeah yeah i think we're uh having a hard time just you know eloquently uh (laughs) explaining this just because it's like i just feel like before you know you it's like you see a soul reaping right and then you're you're after non-attack actions right it's like especially seeds you can play from banish yeah you know or like it just seemed like the cues were very much more obvious Whereas now, I mean, yeah, Oak and Old is, like, crazy good. And there's a handful of cards that are really good. Like that Briar card we were talking about earlier. The one arcane go again for four. But. Oh, Rites of Lightning? Yeah. Yeah. That, to me, best card in the set in Limited. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that, like, I think that's part of it, too, is it's taken us a while to figure out what the, like, the slammers are, right? You open the pack, you just fucking slam that card down past the cards you know what i mean like oak and old would be one of those for sure 
it just seemed, yeah, like in Monarch, quite a bit more obvious that like, oh yeah, Soul Reaping picking this, V of the Vanguard totally picking this, you know, like so good that you maybe even like pick them like late, you know, just to like not have to play against them. Um, I, I wanted to ask you though, before we kind of move into the uh, CEC meta talk here, uh, is there any card that you were pretty low on like this card's not very good and then now after playing uh quite a few more games you're like oh this is way better than i thought it was going to be that's a really good question thank you i'm a professional Uh, podcaster i'm still not very high on this card but um the other day at oasis actually mitch killed me round one because i thought uh and I, I could have blocked, I should have blocked, and then would have probably killed him. But he just surprised me with a red invigorate into a dominate arrow. And he, you know, he did like three and then ten damage with like no hand or, you know, right. very few cards. And uh, just that explosive amount of damage with dominate seemingly out of nowhere um, really took me off guard. So I think those those elemental cards are... I think they're pretty bad just because they dilute your deck so much. But like one red, you know, entwine earth or one red invigorate or one uh, red, the lightning card that gets go again, if you fuse it, you know, can Uh, entwine lightning. Yeah, they can they can function really well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. As long as long as you're just running one or whatever. But right. Yeah, I totally think so. I think those are um, the element, like not in Twine Ice, like that card's still bad. But in Twine Earth, maybe even in Yellow is pretty good. You know, two for six, not bad. You know, um, two for seven in Yellow though. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's two for seven. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. See exactly. Fused. Yeah. Fused. yeah, you got to fuse it. Um, wow, I even thought it was worse than it was, and I was thinking it was good. <laughs> Um, for me, I think the card that I was like, this does nothing, is actually uh, Flash. I think that card is a little bit better than I previously had thought it to have been. Right, because that's a rare also. Yeah, I think so. So you're talking about in Briar? Because in Lexi it... Or do you run it in Lexi as well? Let, let's hear it. Yeah, in in Briar, totally. It's really good. But in... Uh, uh, in in Lexi, I think it can be really good as well because you can play it from hand, right? So it allows you to get go again on a turn where you like flip up an ice card, like an ice attack, and then um, give them a frostbite and then get go again and still get to do something with an arrow. Uh, it just kind of like adds into combos a little bit better than I thought it was going to for just only giving basically go again right nice um one card that i have grown to really like in limited is tome of harvest for some reason that's the majestic i always pull but um (laughs) you know it just uh face value it seems like three for three like three cards for three cards but if your hand is not optimal or you know you just want to fish for something it uh it just functions way better than you would imagine, I feel like. It's also a blue earth card. Um, don't want to be arsenaling it, right? Because it, then it does nothing. But, uh, you know, I, I guess I went from 
thinking that card has kind of little or no value to kind of, you know, if I pull it, I'm playing it in old time, right? Or maybe in Briar too. Right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Anything else you want to talk about the um, limited format before? Well, draft tonight, right? What do you, what's your game plan? Let's end with that. And then we'll talk about CC meta. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still, I'm kind of of like two minds, right? I'm still undecided about this, but I guess my, my biggest breakthrough has been like, don't, like I said, you don't have to totally stay open, right? Don't be afraid to pick cards, right? I'm not. I'm not grabbing three Oldheim cards, three first picks, because then you're really, really in there. But it's like, you know, if I grab a lightning, killer lightning card, a killer ice card, and then a killer Oldheim card, you know, that's still okay. I just have to be constantly monitoring where I'm at picks-wise. Um, which, again, to me, I'm, like, very interested in it and, like, very much prefer this this gameplay and this strategy to just the like you know stay open great cards grab soul reaping so i keep comparing this to monarch but also monarch is an excellent yeah um, limited but that's just the one we most recently played right so for me i guess it's like it's kind of almost like there's no like there's no boundaries anymore right <laughs> there's like no rules i can kind of as long as i just am disciplined about keeping in mind what I've picked so far, I can kind of kind of do what I want or uh I guess dynamically um pick cards. Yeah. That one might have been too vague, but that's just where my brain <laughs> No, at. I get what you're saying is like um <clears throat> you you can play a little bit of jazz in draft now, right? Like you can be like, "Oh, I'll take a little bit of this, I'll take a little bit of that." Ooh, I've noticed this thing. Okay, okay. What does this feel like? Okay, no, no. Yeah. Over here now, you know? Yeah, it's just about feel, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think that's... So I just kind of have some ideas for like some archetypes, right? That I want to see if they're going to present themselves in the draft, right? Like um, specifically just in Oldheim or in Briar. Like I'm going to be looking for, I think, maybe... A lot of that like arcane damage right which i think is pretty obvious right <clears throat> that you would like want to do that but just kind of in like more of a specific manner um than just being like this card does an arcane damage so i'm just gonna pick it you know like trying to just be really choice about those break points and which ones you are like because you could just pick a bunch of inspire lightnings but then uh you know, you don't get any like embodiments and you just do one thing on your turn kind of deal. Yeah, that you know card I mean? that's a card that I thought was excellent and is not as good as yeah. I thought. It's like pretty good in like a specific context. Just super niche. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna be trying to look for that and then also just kind of looking for just bruiser oldheim archetype to see again if that's like still a real thing, you know? Just be like I'm just gonna pick this snow under, and then I'm just gonna pick this red entangle, and you know, just try to just swing big. I guess. Yeah, one really key point that 
um, I'm sure everybody has noticed by now, is just that everyone has to run talent cards. Your deck is way stronger, kind of the more to a threshold that you run, right? So then everybody's deck is like a third to half block for twos. Right. So these cards like Red Snow Under or Autumn's Touch or whatever, um, you know, if you're still in Constructed Brain, like Swing for Six is not really that much. But, you know, I've I've played, uh, what's that, Out in the Cold? If your next attack hits, create three Frostbite tokens. Right. So I've, like, played that into a Yellow Snow Under, which is, like, really bad at face value. But then when you consider that their hand, it's got to have some twos, right? Right. So then it, it's it's just a lot more powerful. Right. Just in terms of momentum, I'm not getting any damage through, but um, I think that makes that kind of like opens the game up a little bit. Unless they're only guardian cards, you know, they're um, they're going to have some weaknesses in blocking, which you can, you know, swinging for nine or eleven or something crazy. It's like it's going to get through at least more than my brain thinks because I've been on constructed for so long. Yeah, 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 I, and. I guess these are last the, my, my last thoughts, even though I th- thought these were going to be the last ones. Um, I definitely like playing Briar in Limited the most. That's like the most fun for me is drafting any kind of Briar deck, you know, um, even if it is like Earth Briar. Um, and then that being said, do you think one of the uh, essence essences is better than another? I mean, no, I guess not. There's just really, well, there's just cards that really like stand out to me, right? Like red heaven's claws, really good in Lexi, right? Uh, A card I really, really love is red weave ice, Mm. right? Because that gives an attack dominate. So if you're playing old time or Lexi, um, you can, uh, you know, free pump for three, fuse it, gains dominate. It's just like an, even if you can't pull off the dominate, it's just a really, really excellent card. Um, fuse with it, arsenal it, Lexi flips it up. It's just so good. And then obviously, you know, ball lightning or earth lore surge, um, which is kind of expensive for constructed maybe, but just the value on that card is just so much more than many other limited cards or cards in limited play. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, unsure really. <laughs> I think it's a, it's hands down earth is the best one. Whoa. Nice. Yeah. Um, I think like the recursion from, uh, evergreen and just having earth lore surges or weave earth. Um, just, those are just so powerful, right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's crazy to me that Earth Lore Surge applies to anything, right? <laughs> so for a blue, you can play it into like Vela Flash or like whatever. Yeah, it doesn't totally. matter. And you come um, in for 10. Yeah. So yeah, it applies to those attacks that cost one, which is right. just nuts. Yeah. Um, so that, and then I, but I think Lightning is really, really close. Like you, you can't deny how good Ball Lightning is, you know? Um, and you get access to lightning press too, which is also really, really good. Um, and mark of lightning and, and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think those are the two best ones. I'm pretty underwhelmed by ice. 
actually. I think it's like slightly less impactful or like on a whole, like in a random distribution, like you kind of need the perfect ice cards, right? To, for it to be a little bit better. And it feels a little bit better in Lexi because of the constant frostbite tokens than it does yeah. in the whole time. I was going to say, I think that's where it gets its extra value. Yeah. I mean, there is the old time, uh, I think his defense reaction is like a high, you know, we've talked about this before. It's yeah. like a very high skill maneuver. So yeah. maybe a trap to blue ice cards. I mean, I've like pulled it off really well a number of times, but it's just really hard to determine and read. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, I do think ice has some value there. That's just like a, you know, it's like not as simple as just making a frostbite token. Right. right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Frostfang is maybe, like, the best ice card, maybe. It's, like, really good. Weave Ice, Ice Quake. Oh, right. Those are pretty good. Ice Quake applies to your weapon, too. Yeah, Um, that is true. But, yeah, no, Frostfang is is pretty good. But, yeah, um, I just like those pumps because when you are, if you fuse with it and then you arsenal it, it doesn't you, lose you anything. Yeah, if yeah. you are coming at him again with a five-card hand, that Arsenal card is, like, maybe not part of it, which is kind of weird. Whereas if you Arsenal, like, Ice Quake... Yeah, if it's, it's just an, really If good. it's an attack, yeah. especially in Oldheim or something. Yeah. Yeah, can be can be challenging. Um, okay, that's it. It's a lot of thoughts. Yeah. I think we did well. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the classic constructed meta here for a bit. Well, it, so if anybody wants to, like, uh, you know better describe their impressions of limited to us you know send us an email or like like taylor said leave comments on the youtube channel or whatever because this is like really a real gem in the game world um i think specifically tales limited play is uh something very fresh yeah so if if you have any thoughts or discuss you know you just got anything to say um let us know yeah because it's pretty unique right like not every CCG or card game designs around the limited format as like a major format and a thing that they value. It's usually like, like Star Wars Destiny is a great example. Like people are like, why aren't we drafting this? How do we draft this? And they're like, oh, right. Uh, you have to spend another $20 on this draft kit because it's just the packs aren't set up. Yeah, because the game doesn't, doesn't do it. Yeah, uh, you know, so... Um, yeah, and or or work this hard on creating such a wonderful limited yeah. um game because it's like yeah, you know, to use Destiny as an example, it's just like a third of the cards in Destiny are just like trash. Oh yeah. They're Ab- just the commons. Absolute garbage. Right. Not so you're not th- I would say more than a th- Oh yeah, a third's kind of a bit. Maybe a bit well, more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. you know, you're you're not going to use most of them in constructed except very niche circumstances. And you're going to like try not to use them in limited unless you have to, you know? So it's just the fact that, you know, I would argue that there's in this set, there's only a few cards, maybe five or 10 that I think are like really bad. Right. And even those can be used effectively, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's really, yeah. so the, just the care and uh, I guess play testing that they put in is really, Thanks, LSS. We've been appreciating it. Totally. Yeah, and it's still like the early days, right, for this format. It's unfortunate that it's like in three or four weeks, right, like the U.S. Nationals like happens and then and then that's kind of like it, right? We were, we'll wait around for like other countries' nationals and stuff, but 
it'll be over really, really fast. This kind of push for limited play. I mean, that sucks because we're not going to see a lot of high level things that, but I, I think it's awesome. I love when there's a big tournament soon after a new set comes out. Cause to me, it makes for a much more interesting tournament. Yeah. And speaking of that classic instructed meta, right? We have, um, in like a week or so, um, we have the Dallas Fort Worth, um, calling, which is tails sealed, but there's a pro quest in there that I believe is constructed, right? So what do you, what, what happens? Does, uh, does Azalea rise to the top and beat everybody? You know, who's the, who's the deck? Is it, uh, Ira? That's right. All of a sudden, Cavdane, what's happening? Talk to me, baby. You mean in classic constructed? Yeah. Just rocking 20 health? <laughs> um, well, that's a big question to unpack. <laughs> um, so I first I would put my money on like decks that people are familiar with, right? Like I think that there's teams out there that are putting in a lot of hours of testing and they're going to, you know, like there might be somebody who finds the killer Briar build mm-hmm. or the killer Lexi build or something like that, right? So I think we'll see those out there. But I would bet that the majority of players are going to play um, something a little more tried and true and I'm sure adapted for this um, meta, but you know, it's like Prism's so strong, right? Or Bravo's so strong and has new tools that, right? you know, it's like it's hard to take, um, you know, your Lexi deck that you've played each character. You played against each character three times, you know, for us average players, right? Right. And like the times you've played them, maybe it's like you might not see them. The, yeah. my you know it's from the you've made changes the whole time you know it's yeah just like, it's totally we're yeah we're not talking about ourselves we're just talking about the general person right um yeah and then there's like you know briar has the largest card pool in the game right now you know so how do you figure out what the optimal deck is um versus god knows what right like i think it's safe to say we can assume that Prism and Bravo will be well represented because like regardless of what happened during road to Nat season, people still just played those decks. Right. And, um, it, Prism wins the calling Vegas. So I'm sure more people have hopped on that and for sure, you know, like you can see that Prism was still well represented in the road to Nat season, you know, despite like, not performing at all you know right (laughs) um and the same thing with bravo right is people just like wanted to play those uh play those decks so um yeah i mean bravo is one of those characters where people are you know they're bravo players and they only play bravo you know so it's like i mean bravo's always been pretty good which really helps you know and has won some road to nats and you know, made day two at the calling and all that. But, um, yeah, that deck just got some, uh, pretty cool cards. Oh yeah, totally. hundred percent. Um, yeah. And so we were talking earlier before the podcast, we were like, okay, well, like theoretically, right. Let's say there's more, uh, uh, like, okay. So there's going to be prism and these kind of like mid rangey rogue, 
Tails decks, right? So let's uh, punish that sort of stuff with our, like, Brute decks, right? With Leviah or even Reinar, you know? Um, so then, like, attacking it that way. And then, like, if you keep doing that thought process, like, okay, well, then there's all these Reinars that are going to be there. What's really good against that? Oh, okay, so then maybe we played, like, Dorinthia, and that, like, combats two things. Like, there's a lot of block for twos now because people need to fuse. And, like, Dorinthia just punishes you for, like, not blocking correctly, you know? And then if you're having to go against Reinar, like, and they do a big Intimidate turn, you just get all your cards back, you know, or or whatever, you know? So, um I guess I just spilled all of the beans, you know, I just get really excited about like, and this is my, my fault as a player is I'm like, oh yeah. So if we think this, which everybody's going to do, then they're just going to like take that one step further, right? Like I'm going to, and then to counter that, I got to go one step further. And then I'm like on a bad deck in the wrong meta, you know? Yeah. Nope. You got to be one step ahead of the existing meta, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, totally. Like you or maybe two, but it has to be able to perform well in the current meta also. Yeah, 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 totally. I get like too far down that rabbit hole to try to counter the counter encounter that again. Yeah. Well, so my, um, I mean, I think that's the nature of the game is very rock, paper, scissors, Z right now. Right. But it's like, yeah, Dorinthia counters the theoretical Reinar coming out, but it's just like really tough into, uh, prism and bravo yeah right so and like old time maybe but so for me there's uh you know i don't see dorinthia having a place it's also she she has a hard time against arcane um because she runs like it's like if you she yeah. can't give up a resource card yeah. so all of your rune blade uh arcane hit effects are online um you know, and this is just all in theory, but I just don't see her coming out. I do see, you could see Reinar being pretty strong because that deck kind of excels in a mid-range game and um, does well against Prism. You can uh, roll Scab Skins off of getting Arclight Sentineled. Um, you know, you can pop their auras, obviously. But... And kind of um, deal with spectras with scab skins too, even yeah, you know definitely yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, there's some games where you would just whiff on scab skins, but you're kind of in a position <laughs> with Reinar, right? Where if they pl- spend their whole hand to play an aura, and then you you know try to scab skins around it, if you whiff, at least they're not hitting you back with anything, right? You know, yeah. Um, but so so my issue with Reinar is that. Yeah, really good in a mid-range meta. Um, I think that that deck is just a little bit hard to play at the highest level because of the card-hungry finisher moves it employs, right? Like, you don't win the game when you're each at 6 health. You win the game when you're each at 18 health by planning out your plays and your momentum shifts and, like, making very calculated decisions. Um, or maybe that's just something I have trouble with playing right. that class, but, uh, very good in general, you know, the club is also a very solid build, but just at that, like, um, top level closing it out is, uh, you know, it's just like a skilled maneuver. Yeah, totally. I think that's still my like big thing with, uh, Viscerai, right. It's like, 
Um, I, I think if we're in kind of a frosty mid-rangey meta, I think Viscerai does pretty good, um, but still struggles kind of getting into that end game, crafting it well enough, you know, that's like the biggest skill part is because like you, you don't have access to be able to like uh, press and like dominate attacks, you know, um, you take a turn off to like make a bunch of rune chants, then you have to like have the health total to pivot back into the game with all of those to like finish your opponent off um, and that sort of thing. Uh, I still think it's a really good deck and like got creepers and has Rosetta Thorn. And so now you kind of have this semi-wide kind of strategy um, that is like very, very good still, you know, it's like the best the deck has ever been for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I'm pretty excited for Viscerai and you've been on the Viscerai train since the beginning, Mm -hmm. your first true love. So, uh, it's like pretty cool that he has these tools now to be pretty functional. Um, and something Viscerai has got, like the other thing about Reinar is it's just vanilla damage. The hit, not hit effects, but the trouble for your opponent comes in with, uh, you know, getting intimidated and then trying to like turn off barrage and beat down. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you can just kind of calculate and make a decision. Not intimidates rough. I'm not <laughs> saying it's not. But um, you're you're also not shutting your opponent down with, you know, gnarly hit effects, which right. yeah, you know, um, sometimes viscerize the same way, but uh, sometimes your arcane triggers are kind of blowout plays, right? And playing against that is like pretty tough. You're like, do I pitch my blue to like shut this down? But then I don't have a blue, right? And maybe he didn't need arcane to hit this round, yeah. So. Um, Viscerai is maybe, especially now that it's powerful enough, I think maybe, you know, kind of a Dorinthia-esque deck where it makes your opponents make tough decisions blocking, Yeah. right? Like, it's a lot harder on the other end of the table when you have to make tough decisions every turn as far as, like, how to block, what to block. Yeah, totally. Um, And I think all of this talk just kind of... signals to the fact that like how open the meta is right now at this moment um it's like a very exciting time but it's like a really hard time to test into you know you're like all right i gotta test against like theoretically these things right yeah and there's no staple new hero deck yet so how do i test against them yeah yeah (laughs) yeah exactly like you don't even have really chain to test against you know what i mean i mean it'll still be like represented somebody's gonna be People are still going to be playing it, um, you know, but without seeds and stuff, I feel like that hero is just basically dead, you know, and it's like unplayable in its like power level, which is what it, it should be, you know, so it's like not even worth it to re-sleeve it and test against it, you know, in my in my opinion. But we're also not going to nationals, so we're like not uh, putting in that level of effort really, but... Yeah, I mean, I think in theory, chain could be functional, maybe not top tier. Yeah. But just, it's not the same, right? You have to adapt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just like, it has to be mid range or whatever. You just can't. Yeah. It goes from go balls out and win the game every time, you know? Yeah. It goes uh, from S tier to B tier, you know? Right. 
um, which is fine, which is a good place for that hero to be at and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's just really, really, uh, it's just wide open right now, which is uh, exciting, but also like a little frustrating because you're like, I need some direction in these builds, right? To try to not just like make the deck that beats Isaac's Lexi deck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because uh, who knows if that's good or if anybody else plays that, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah totally. Um, and I think that's kind of the interesting thing too in the Tales Heroes is figuring out those like what is the most efficient uh, essence of that hero, you know? Like for me, I've been I've been trying to like brew Briar decks, right? And so you kind of have these three majestics that are really powerful. So you have like Blossoming Spellblade, but takes Earth and Lightning Fusion. Super baller card. Absolute blowout if like that goes off kind of mid to late game. Um, But then you have um, uh, Force of Nature, Earth only Fuse, right? So semi-synergistic with uh, Blossoming Spellblade. But then you have Flicker Wisp which is lightning fusion and doesn't work with uh, whatever it's called force of nature, you know? So now you're like, I have these three really powerful kind of cards. How do I, how do I make this work? Right? Like force of nature gets you to, it's like plunder ish run, you know, but for the whole turn, like every attack could uh, get pumped, but it's in earth. And that you don't have access to like weave lightning and that sort of thing, you know. You don't have like a bunch of go again in your earth cards, so it's just like a really weird puzzle to fi- figure out, right? Yeah, I think that's the big question right now, right? Is like, is hybrid possible? Right. Is it worth it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah which totally. which they pose the question by making these cards <laughs> the kind of broken cards you know the ice storms right but you only get to pull them off (laughs) when you get really lucky or do you manufacture it or you know what um we're gonna take a little break here i have to pee (laughs) cool We're back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the new heroes are all wide open, right? Like, there's a lot to discover about them and some uh, efficient lines to, uh, you know, develop, for sure. Just the number of archetype potentials is astounding. So we can, you know, at another day really explore, you know, like, I'm on a hybrid Lexi build at the moment, just played one game so far but i still don't run ice storm i don't know or you're, you're basically azalea wearing a lexi costume is no, wait, kind of what you had going on i have so many talent cards in there <laughs> yeah right you had turns where it was like uh headshot into hamstring the next turn it was uh take aim into endless arrow you know totally with lightning press and ice quake <laughs> and all <laughs> I had, I had Channel Lake Frigid going for a couple turns. Yeah, that was actually pretty brutal. Um, 
anyway i, I um, like that strategy i told you that right like oh just my deck building options were just run the best cards that's it we'll just put those <laughs> into a list of 60 done totally well i my first frost build i felt was it was just too linear i don't like those decks that do one thing and sometimes they're really good and can be very efficient right and be very good at what they do but it's like when you figure out how to combat that one thing they're just like not very adaptive i like very explosive decks better right like Leviya or kano or like some viscerai builds or whatever um i just appreciate more so i was trying to uh with lexi really right diddling around with your frostbite tokens is like not a winning strategy yeah (laughs) not coming in for a ton of damage yeah you're just kind of giving like a frostbite token yeah have a frostbite and eight yeah again and again you know and that took me uh four cards so ha totally yeah (laughs) yeah so and yeah there's the frost arrows you have to fuse to get a hit effect Mm -hmm. which is fine in a frost build but it's just like i'm like i already have free arrows that are great i already have arrows with built-in hit effects if i just free that fuse up i can just run the best frost and lightning cards and arrows and you still get voltaire you still get lexi a lot you still get new horizon azalea wearing a lexi costume (laughs) plus all the best ice it's just like voltaire and ice and lightning cards are like really powerful so best of all the worlds well they didn't let azalea use fucking voltaire so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't get to do that. <laughs> but anyway, just there's a lot of there's a lot of avenues. Um you wanted to talk about Katsu, I think. Yeah, briefly. I was going to mention that you know, we're we're talking about how wide open it is, but to me throughout all of the sets, Katsu has been like the staple good deck. For some reason it's phased out a hair a couple times, but it's like between control Katsu or aggro Katsu and mid-range Katsu is like always good. Right. Unless you're like, you know, going into Leviathan or whatever. But it's just like, it's always very good and very competitive. Um, so I think that, you know, and you could you could throw Dash in there. I think it's less consistent. But, you know, testing against like uh, Prism, Bravo, uh, Agro Katsu, and like mid-range Dash will probably give you an idea of how well your deck performs. Yeah. You know, I would think. Yeah. I think that's like a kind of a hit some archetypes. You hit some decks that you know are going to maybe be around, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So to finish this off before we get into kind of our signature segments, are there any heroes that are just like unplayable dog water? (laughs) Um, So I think that they... They gave Azalea a couple new tools, but they did not really address the fundamentals of why she is not good, right? Like, you could rock New Horizon, and then when you're stuck arsenaling an arrow, you can work around it until you fire it, but you still don't have any go again. You know, there's just, like, um, she has some, like, mechanic issues, and this is coming, I love Azalea, and I'm going to try to build a good new deck with, you know, the new tools and stuff, but it's just, like... It feels like they did not address that. And again, they didn't let her use Voltaire. So it's just like, I'm going to say probably not playable. I'm going to say Kano. And in in the hands of an expert is like always good. 
but for most of us, Kano, um, especially with Frost and a more mid-range meta. And Prism um, is still around. Yeah, and Big Prism. Um, big old Prism yeah. pants. <laughs> big. Well, nothing about what she does is little, you know. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> totally. So, yeah, I'm going to say that uh, Kano and Azalea are probably still or even more dead. But um, I could be very wrong about that. Um, Kano just doesn't function well into Frost, you know. Um, right. So, yeah. Could be wrong about Azalea. I'm going to try to prove myself wrong. <laughs> so, what's nice. your take? Uh, Bolton, dead. Yeah? Unplayable. Yeah. Like, already was running so low to the ground and really needs a shit ton of cards. Is just like, if anybody's running Frost or... Um, What's his face? Old Heim like hits you with his frost reaction or whatever. You gotta put that card back on top. Oh of the yeah, <laughs> you know, like you're just you're just done for. You know what I mean? Can't just run a few yellows instead of only reds. I mean, you're already running like maximum copies of yellows and reds. You know, like you could run like maybe some more blues, but now you have attacks that attack for one. You yeah. know, and like don't do anything like. And yeah. then you still have to charge them. So you still need two cards to do a thing. And your weapon, like, does not work if you don't charge, you know. Talking yeah. about Raiden, Bolton, uh, a true deck, not a Sabres Bolton, a coward's deck. <laughs> totally. I've never been a huge fan. I mean, that deck is, like, very cool and very explosive. But that's kind of one of those decks to me that it kind of has one game plan. So if you have a plan to disrupt it, yeah, you know. Yeah. All my cards are free and I need a five card hand. So if you can like <laughs> derail that, they're like in a bad place. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe Axe's Bolton gets into the mix, you know? And oh, is, cool. It's maybe more mid rangey or something. I don't know. But even then, you're just like diddling around with a weapon that attacks for two. And yeah. if, if it's not, if you don't have any cards in salt, you know, it's just like a whole, a whole thing. I'm going to throw Dorinthia in there maybe. I think she has some really good matchups, but as long as like Bravo and Prism are ruling the meta, um, I don't know if you want to have some blowout games and get blown out some games, you can <laughs> yeah, bring totally. Dorinthia. It just feel it's just because of those top two decks. Feast on the noobs. Yeah, <laughs> just because of those top two. Yeah. You know that's like pretty pretty tough field for her. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like if something truly pushes Prism out. You know what I mean. Or if Prism just remains like a staple for uh, a few more sets or something like that. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I thought Prism was already out, but it's like you just can't stop her. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, Chain's gone now, so it's like... It's a really good deck. Good thing she stayed around. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody is right. The Like, Reinar and Leviah counter Prism. Especially Leviah. That deck's like more explosive even. Yeah. But... Um, Leviah is just not a consistent deck, I guess, right? Or it's just so it like makes it tough, much to... harder to play it consistently, right? Yeah. So it it makes it, you know, I don't think that that kind of deck will ever like dominate a meta. Um, yeah, Reiner can be a little more consistent if you play it that way. So maybe that's a good answer to Prism. Um, okay, matchup into Bravo, but you know, not the greatest, really. Yep. Bravo will just take all their cards back and hit you the same amount with the same amount, but with a, an effect, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? 
Um, okay, final question before we move into our signature segments. If we were to play in a competitive classic instructed event tomorrow, what deck do you bring? Leviathan, 100%. Nice. That's cool. Uh, I punch you in the face, steal your Leviathan deck and your abilities, and also run Leviathan. Oh, sick. And tie nice. you up in the car. <laughs> no, I think I would probably run the Viscerai deck I have been kind of briefly testing um, just because it plays pretty well into everything it feels like and nobody knows what the fuck Viscerai does, you know? And they're like, oh, isn't this the Sonata deck, right? Sideboard wrong. And then I'm like coming at you, you know, like Darth Vader down a hallway. And there's nothing you can do. Yeah, definitely. The, Except for get force choked and lightsabered. <laughs> the weird numbers and arcane hit effects in that deck are a lot for your brain to deal with. I think that's a good pick. Thanks. And I, I'm picking Leviathan because I have a lot of reps on it. And I think it's a strong deck. And... um a lot of people don't have a lot of reps against it. Yeah. I don't think it's the top deck in the meta, right? It's just that's my pick for me. Yeah. You know? I still think it's really good. It plays really well into a lot of the decks, you know? Yeah. We played like, a game. Really well. We played a game earlier that I realized the only time I've been playing Levia has been in the chain meta. And I like am programmed to play that deck like on the clock. I feel <laughs> yeah. like I'm going to lose at turn five or six. So I just have to take damage, step on the gas, set up. And we're just like playing a normal flesh and blood game, you know? And I'm like, take 12, do that, you know? But it's like, I really have to like, and I don't have that problem with some other decks. It's just because I've only played Leviathan that way. So I have to like learn to like, you know, when I'm playing it against Bravo or something, I can, like, slow it down because I'm in that mode. But if I'm playing against another aggro deck, I'm just in, you know, aggro deck mode and I have to. But it's like you're not getting stronger every turn, you know. <laughs> yeah, the person across from you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, Briar or Katsu or whoever. It's not like getting stronger. It's <laughs> I don't have to, uh, you know, win before turn four. So uh, that's like... It's just like so subconsciously programmed that uh, I'm like realizing I need to, uh, you know, rewire that a little bit. Nice. Which is good. It's a good thing. It's yeah, just totally. like, uh, you know, like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Sorry for the water bottle noise, if you can hear that. All right. Let's move into our signature segments. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, we're going to start off with our classic and what we're known for before, even before LSS started stealing. <laughs> are doing the exact same segment yeah basically um is pick pass pray so it's a draft scenario i'm going to give you three cards you're going to pick one pass one and pray that one comes back around are you ready i am all right our first tales of aria pick pass pray Woo! first card up entwine lightning red blocks for two attacks for four is an elemental attack action and it reads lightning fusion if you fuse Entwine Lightning, it gains go again. Cost zero. Pitches for one. Second card. Cracker Jacks. Generic equipment, arms. Defends for nothing. Has an action. Destroy Cracker Jacks. The next attack action card you play this turn gains plus one. Go again. Third card. Glacial Footsteps Red. 
Cost six, pitches for one. It's an elemental guardian attack action. Defends for three. Attacks for 10. And it has ice fusion. And if you ice fuse it, it gains dominate. So, Isaac, I know I did this really dramatically. <laughs> uh, which one are you going to pick, pass, and pray comes back around? I'm going to pick Cracker Jacks, hands down. Nice. Um, because just at base value, that just ups the damage of your deck by one, right? <laughs> Whenever you want. I mean, in that math, like Glacial Footsteps ups the damage value of your deck by 10. True, but this is just a static card out there. And then there's like a number of you, right? Like, obviously into Thump, it's incredible. But you can also like play it onto Red Ball Lightning, Um you know, and other proper, probably lesser uses, but there's just like, uh, there's multiple key cards that it like really, really works with. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even if it's early and I have red ball lightning, I'll just pop them to play that. It's like such a huge tempo swing. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to pick that for sure. Um, equipment's pretty rare in this set and some of it's pretty good and some of it's pretty bad. So, so I'm going to take a good piece while looking I at, see Looking it. at you, rack a muffin. <laughs> Um, and then I'm going to pray red glacial footsteps comes around. Nice. Um, if the entwined lightning came around or came around again, I would definitely grab it. Um, it's just not integral. Right. Right. So like I'm not committing to old time or anything, but one red and two blue glacial footsteps would be an integral part of my deck. Entwine Lightning Red, if it synergized and, you know, had a spot and I had enough light, yeah, it's like adds to it, but it's just not, it's like Glacial could be one of the the pieces, which yeah. Entwine Lightning will never be. And it's like, odds are I won't use either card, but, so that's my pick. What, uh, what are you thinking? I think this is going to be the first time in Attack Action Podcast history that we're going to fully agree <laughs> I think Cracker Jacks is a pick one, slammer down, gonna use it, you know. Um, and then Glacial Footsteps is just the upside is so much better than Entwine Lightning. Um, and, you know, Entwine Lightning does like allow you to stay open already, but I mean, you're gonna see that like uh, whatever, pick eight or something. You know, like if it's still in your pack, right? Yeah, or like third round of packs, you'll probably see one. Or, well, you know. like assuming this is all in uh, eight-man draft, right, right? right? So it's like if that's still in, it's like your eighth pick, and you might not even be in Lightning by then, you know? Um, so if there weren't like Cracker Jacks and it was some other random card, I might pick Entwine Lightning over Glacial, but... Um, I'm definitely picking Cracker Jacks first, praying Glacial comes back around, and we're going to pass on Entwine Lightning. Um, kind of a softball we threw to ourselves here, um, but that's the how it goes. Um, nice. Now that we're opening packs and doing it, you know, so real life stuff. So next up we have Riddle Me This <laughs> with Isaac. <laughs> um, so we were talking about this last night. Um, staying up late playing board games which is just the the best um but anyway uh we were discussing with along with troy um tome of harvest right simply because it seems like crown of seeds does this right 
Like you you pitch a card, pay for Crown of Seeds, cycle your arsenal, draw a card. You know, Tome of Harvest, I guess, it's like three cards for three, and um, Crown of Seeds is two cards for one. But having the damage prevention, the floating for other things, and just the not taking a slot in your deck seems like quite a bit more powerful. So technically they are different and have different functions, but is Tome of Harvest as a blue earth card that you do not want to arsenal uh, worth the slot? That's a good that's a good question. I have no answers for you. And I'm I'm only bringing this up because because it does function in limited, but I'm only bringing it up because it's a majestic, right? right? It's not like a common card that you're like, well, it was for limited or whatever, but um anyway. Totally. So Tome of Harvest is uh somebody running it to excellent efficiency and effect. That's my that's my question. Excellent question. All right, so uh, moving on here to board game from the closet. Here at the Attack Action Podcast, we play and love a lot of board games and just busted open a new one last night and had a blast. We we like to share a board game with you guys sometimes. Um, Now, this isn't really the, the best game in the world or our favorite or whatever, but it's just a board game we really appreciate and love and uh, would like to share with you all so you guys can also appreciate and love it. Um, So this week's or this episode's board game from the closet is uh, Taylor's pick. Yep. And so I am going to pick what we played last night. We played Ankh, uh, Gods of Egypt, I think is its subtitle, which is I don't really particularly like choosing something like this. That's a Kickstarter exclusive, right? Oh, it's not in stores. Correct. But it will be. I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's probably on eBay for quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that is a uh, safe bet. But so that's like uh, unfortunate, um, but I don't usually do this. But as a person who really likes um, Eric Lang's games most of the time, he's the designer of the board game and has designed uh, Rising Sun, which I believe we've talked about. And I hope we've talked about Blood Rage. Um, if not, uh blood rage is also great um but they're like three games that are in this genre that he is made of um kind of area control uh strategic uh persons on a map sort of thing and so in in this particular flavor of ice cream it's egyptian and it's uh set in you know mythological egypt where the gods are actually real and you get a play as like ra or anubis um in that sort of thing um and we just had like a really great time it didn't have like your traditional kind of like um oh what what am i trying to say here like point tracker like game ends after six rounds of play and whoever has the most points wins, you know, it's like kind of a race to be like the best God. And it has this strategic action selection portion where you have these uh, four different actions everybody can do and you pick one and then you do that action and then you can pick another one, but it's predicated on the one you've picked before. And there's like an event that happens 
um, once one of those actions reaches the end of its track. And so you're like trying to time like the best strategic move for yourself that doesn't open up your opponents into a better strategic move and allow them to like control more of the area is kind of the gist. And for a big box game that we like basically learned on the spot and I like read the rule book, um, you know, hours beforehand, it was like surprisingly easy to jump into and was super fun and had a depth of strategy as well. So that's my pick. Nice. Yeah. I had a blast playing that game. And one thing I really liked about it is there one aspect is kind of a little point tracker, but there's these occurrences or events that depending on if you're ahead or where you are relative to the other players, it's not just whoever gets to the end wins. It's there's these certain events throughout the game that, uh, you know, change the game or, you know, matter. So when playing in future games, you'll have to consider where you are and prioritize, you know, board state or points or whatever, you know, based on, you know, upcoming mid game events. Yeah. So to just brief, cause I think that's one of the cool parts is like, uh, the last two gods in a certain point of that, the devotion track is what it's called the race, right? If you're the last two at a certain point, you fuse huh, topical and become one God and then like share each other's powers and like resources and stuff and have like a little bit more control over the um, action selection board. So you, it's kind of a catch up mechanic, but it's just a kind of interesting thing to consider that will happen at some point in the game and whether or not you want to like be as far away from that as possible or try to like um drop into it yeah drop or, drop yeah. into it and then like blast ahead or yeah it's just really interesting so that's my pick Ankh, gods of egypt that's it we're pretty psyched on it because we <laughs> just played yeah <laughs> totally um okay well uh thank you all for being here we really appreciate um, everybody who listens to the show and who reaches out to us on the multitude of platforms that we're on. Um, if you want to get a hold of us individually, we're on Twitter, Battlebro Taylor at Battlebro Isaac. Um, slide into our DMs. It's totally fine. We'll DM you back. Yep. Tag us in your sweet posts and stuff. We're on Gmail, the Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we have a Patreon for just four bucks a month. You can support us and join our Discord where we uh, love to hang out, play games, play tournaments. Um, Taylor is the Falcon of the West, and I am uh, the Penguin of the South. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> they know what you are because you said it in the intro. Oh, gotcha. Remember, new intro. New silly, no, stupid I, Well, intro. I'm just Ejok on uh, Discord, but... Yeah. Um, um, we're a Fab Foundry. Use our affiliate link, please. Um, what else we got? I think that's about it. Nice. Yeah. Good episode. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah. This has been a fireside chat with uh, <laughs> my buddy Taylor talking about Tales of Aria. Yeah. It's just a lot to unpack. So it's kind of hard for us to uh, even begin to explore this this new set. The game really you know, ramped up to... Uh, I don't know, more complex level. It's just in a really interesting spot 
you know, historically. And uh, I'm excited to be in it. I'm excited to look back on it and see what's in the future and excited to, um, yeah, see what other people's uh, ideas are and that sort of thing. Definitely. My favorite part in games is um, when the meta is wide open and like very healthy. Yeah. And, you know, a best totally. deck may emerge, but, you know, like, uh, to me, just like that's the most joyous part of playing card games is when you can, like, be creative and try to, like, get on top. Totally. With your yeah. wild new deck. And there's so much to talk about, right? It's like, thank goodness that we're on, like, a time crunch or else we would be here for four hours <laughs> just, like, going in circles and talking about the same stuff. Um Next thing you can uh, expect from us is we will probably have a reaction step uh, YouTube exclusive pod um, probably after Dallas-Fort Worth calling and talking about um, some sort of topic from that. And then other than that, we will hear us audio only probably at the end of the month. And who knows what we'll be talking about then. Probably both callings, maybe some nationals, previews. Um Whatever. So that's kind of our schedule. So now you know if you made it this far. Thanks, everybody. Yep. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.